Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Investing from A to Z podcast. I'm your host, Steph Bodrini. We provide straightforward information by bringing excellent guests with real-world experience in all topics related to commercial real estate investing. And in today's episode, we're going to be reviewing the career of someone who started their company a few years ago. They have acquired about 22 properties in the last three and a half years, and we're going to discuss how to add value to retail and what are some lessons learned up until now. We're chatting with Aaron Zucker, founder and principal of Zucker Investment Group, also known as Zig. Here we go. Aaron, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm super excited to have you here because you're growing super fast at a super interesting asset class that some people are skeptical of uh, joining nowadays, or maybe. But first, why don't you tell us a little bit about you? Sure. I started Zig, Zucker Investment Group, in, at the beginning of 2019. I spent my entire career in leasing retail shopping centers for shopping center owners throughout the country. So some large companies like DLC Management and Phillips Edison, and then most recently before going out on my own with a family office in South Florida, heading up their leasing platform and made the decision and the pivot to start Zig, as I mentioned. And since then, we've bought value-add unanchored retail properties in 13 states across the country and couldn't be having any more fun doing it along the way. Now tell us, how many did you get done over the last 18 months? Over the last 18 months, let's see, we've done 22 total in about 40 months. So I don't know how many of the, over the last 18, I'd have to, I'd have to calculate, but I would say, I would say we, we've picked up some steam. So more than half, even though it's maybe, maybe half or a little bit more than half. Let's, let's dive into, uh, if you can do a step-by-step journey on how that went, obviously started your career in the retail space, and then you decided to start your company. But let's dive maybe on a every two months basis. Tell us your story of how you scaled so fast. It was pretty simple. I started in the beginning moving into my parents' basement uh, with a six-month-old. So that was interesting to say the least with no portfolio <laughs> and really not much of a plan. Uh, that, that's not true. There was a plan. It was just all on notes on an iPad. We bought our first property as a covered land play in Irving, Texas. We still own that property today. It's an on the border, great location, and are planning to monetize that property in some way, shape, or form over time. But until then, we're enjoying the cash flow. That was, geez, I mean, I'm having, I'm about to break out in hives thinking about that experience. I had (laughs) $50,000. I had $50,000 of my saved money hard, meaning non-refundable, without all the equity figured out. I was raising $1.8 million, which I definitely didn't have from anybody and everybody who always told me that they were maybe interested in buying real estate. And so I, it was sort of a good litmus test to see who was actually going to be a real LP in the company and who, who was sort of just talking or, or maybe wasn't interested in that type of deal type. And it worked itself out. We figured out a way to get the equity resolved for and, and bought a deal. And then uh, some time went by and People were still feeling out whether or not Zig is, was real. I'm sure mm-hmm. that's still certainly the case. We're still trying to build a reasonable <laughs> reputation, but we were able to source a couple more opportunities pretty much exclusively through the brokerage community off market. So that's a testament to the quality of relationships that I had and, and still have and 
am always continuing to try to build upon, which we, we couldn't be any more bullish on leveraging the brokerage community and, and sort of getting them excited about the fact that we not only allow, but encourage them to invest in deals with us and appreciate, hopefully they appreciate the fact that we move extremely quickly and we're young and nimble and uh, are certainly aggressively growing. It's, it's funny, like the, the mantra about our organization is that we're super aggressive and we are and what our big plans are. But when we look in the microcosm of a specific acquisition, it's usually pretty conservative. Mm-hmm. So a couple months goes by, crickets, right? I'm just trying to find a deal. You know, nobody's really understand. I'm a one-man band at this point. And I'm just continuing doing my thing. I'm posting on social media saying we're looking for deals, hitting the phones hard, following up with the brokerage community, calling sellers, whatever, whatever it takes to procure something. And one day we acquired a really what I would determine to be a sexy site, uh, which was a Lululemon, single tenant Lululemon condo and a joint venture with a group called Conover South out of South Florida. And so people were like, okay, he's done two deals now. And then the third one, I think it was the third one. I don't remember the exact order, but several months thereafter, we were able to unlock a off-market Chipotle deal and an extremely aggressive cap rate and a great market in Orlando. We executed on a blended extend with the tenant and then flipped out of it I think we sold that property in March of 2020. So right before, right as the pandemic was was hitting and and there was a few other acquisitions that were a little bit more boring, if you will, between the time that we bought and sold that Chipotle. But the disposition of that Chipotle sort of, in my opinion, was what put Zig 1.0 on the map and, and gave us some some decent credibility that our group was chasing and, and being awarded. And then more, most importantly, executing on value add retail deals with great tenant or tenants, Chipotle, Lululemon, and, and very good markets like Cincinnati and Orlando. So we just um, so, did our- So let me just ask on the Lululemon, was there any actual value add there or they had a long-term that, lease? That one was a, I think, I, I truly believe that one was a value add deal exclusively tied to what our basis was going into it. Again, that's the beauty of doing an off-market transaction. I guess the hair right, on the deal, exactly. if you will, is that, that site in particular is a condo and a lot of investors are steering away from that product type. So we, we just underwrote the fundamentals of the real estate, the quality of the tenant and the cash flow, and said, let's do it. We've got a great partner on that deal. And we bought some other ones along the way. We, you know, we bought a vacant Kentucky fried chicken and converted it to an American family care location of which I'm actually the franchisee for. I have a partner in that business. Who's amazing. My best friend and roommate from college, a guy named Aaron Fields, who, I own 50% of the business with, so he's running the operations while I'm focused on our scale and growth. So there's been good little pops here and there and some good, just Mike Phillips, who as in Phillips Edison uh, is coined, coined the term pig. So we've bought some pigs, which stands for passive income generators as well. So mm-hmm. just building up a portfolio, we're, we're trying to get rich slow here. Okay. And so the Chipotle one, the value add was basically just buying at a high cap rate and selling at a lower cap rate, right? Well, I wish we bought it at a high cap rate. We paid a 4.2 cap for it, oh, actually. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that, that deal was crazy. The rents were just so far below market and the store the unit was performing very well. And the tenant was going to be out of options in the not too distant future. And so we've collaborated with them through our relationship and structured a deal that made sense for everybody, which brought value to the asset. And we ended up exiting at an even more compressed cap rate at a higher NOI, which is how that deal was able to be pulled off. That's awesome. 
So yeah, I didn't want to interrupt you. I just wanted to add some clarity for our listeners. Uh, so you can sure. keep going. Sure. So we did the Lululemon, the Chipotle, the on the border. We did, you know, the preferred development deal for our AFC business and just sort of kept on growing. And I think, you know, fast forward about two years into the business, we had acquired 12 properties. Uh, at that point, I was, it was just me as far as people that were in-house full-time working at Zig. I, I still like to emphasize we because we have amazing LP investors. We have amazing brokerage relationships and tenants and vendors. So to, to sit here and say, I would, I think would be inappropriate, but yeah. from a internal, somebody with a Zig email address, it really was uh, just me in, on the first call 12 acquisitions or so. And then I sort of got to a point where there was a major bottleneck, right? We'd get a couple of deals under contract and we'd have to go travel to see them and figure out the debt and figure out the equity and talk to the tenant or tenants and order diligence, review the diligence. And like things get got a little crazy. I mean, if you're doing two, three, four acquisitions at once, start to finish as the, as the sponsor completely alone, uh, that takes real time. And at the conclusion of getting those deals closed, I would take a deep breath and I go, what's the next one? And there was really no pipeline, right? And so I realized that in order to keep the engine revving and get the company to where I really wanted to see it go, it was going to require bringing in people that were ex exclusively focused on lead generating for Zig. So we hired uh, a guy straight out of school by the name of Dan Sanfilippo, who's incredibly well-educated because he went to the University of Alabama. And anybody who goes to the University of Alabama is obviously a genius. Wink, wink, hint, hint. I went to school there, so roll tide to anybody out there who <laughs> is an Alabama fan. And then shortly thereafter, uh, we brought in Jake Dugan, who I actually worked with at Peb Enterprises, who had cut his teeth in both investment sales brokerage and leasing, working with me on the leasing side and then branching out to a similar role that I had at Peb with another organization. So he brought and still does bring his leasing expertise to the table. So all of a sudden, there was three of us in deal making, And then the deal making was picking up enough to a point to where I was getting sucked away doing more operational things like operating agreements. And in addition to what I'd still do, like building models and you know, setting up entities and overseeing our legal efforts and our DD, it, it was getting a little bit out of hand. So after leading with revenue by bringing in more deal folks like Jake and Dan, we brought in an amazing operations person who's my right hand. Her title actually, which she gave herself, which I think is hilarious, is Chief of Zuck. Uh, her name is, is Catherine Ibanez. So the team consists of four currently as we continue to buy more deals. We're, we're getting in a little bit to the preferred development game. We're doing some vacant all cash spec deals where we believe leasing can happen. Of course, we're still buying our income producing stuff with vacancy upside or below market rents. And, and then uh, and just looking to throw fuel in that fire. I have somebody else who's going to be starting with us in June. And we're looking to hire one or two more people between now and the end of the year. Fantastic. Well, thanks and congratulations. So I would love to hear what you look for with regards to adding value in retail, especially the kind of retail that you're doing. Sure. So the company's DNA or backbone with not only myself, but with Jake and even Dan, who's really picked up on the concepts through osmosis is we're, we're a bunch of leasing agents that turn into property owners. At least I am. So we look at every deal that we do with the lens of how would a retailer look at this site? How's the access? How's the visibility? Do we feel like we can improve these rents? Are these rents at or above market, which would make us you know, cool off on the deal a little bit? So I would say from a construction development standpoint, yeah, like we, we do it. We can do it. We often partner up with strategic partners to do those types of deals. But 
as far as existing bricks and, and roll up your sleeves and figure out a way to either increase the NOI or improve the credit profile or in an ideal world, do both. That's what, in my opinion, along with our, bro- and as a result of that, our brokerage relationships is sort of our secret sauce. Do you want to cover maybe a deal that that's a little bit scary because we've all been there, done that, right? That's how we learn. What were the mistakes made? How would you do it differently next time? Let's go over something that people can learn uh, from as oh, well without having to go oh through boy. themselves. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned because you told me that we only had 20 minutes or so. I have, I, I can go over each mistake that we've made for 20 minutes a piece. It's really, it's, it's really, it's really like, if you want, I could lay out a menu for you. You can choose off the menu, Stephanie. It's really your call mistakes. We can do an episode for each mistake. Uh, Yeah. You you will not be short for content that I can assure you of, boy, where do I even begin? First deal I did. I mean, I talked about it early on in the, in the conversation. I, I took major risk, which I'm not sure I would take that risk today. You don't know what you don't know. I mean, I had a good feeling about it at the time, but it was nothing more than a feeling. I mean, I had $50,000 go non-refundable on a deal that I didn't have the money for. I mean, we had most of the money raised, but like I was still like $600,000 short when that 30th day came up and we weren't buying from some Joe Schmo. I mean, that's the other thing. Like, I don't call buying from a group like Tabani, who's extremely polished and really good at what they do, a mistake because I guess it's possible. And I understand their business plan and vetted out why we shouldn't buy it, et cetera. And it, we, it's still past the sniff test, but wasn't our profile buyer, right? I had $50,000 go hard. I undercharged on the promote. I don't even think I took any fees on the deal. So, you know, that was done by a guy who was basically living in his parents' basement. Oh yeah, I was living in my parents' basement. <laughs> that, 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 structure, that structure doesn't work if we're ever yeah. going to build anything that's got real sophistication, real, uh, yeah, exactly. So yeah, those, I mean, that's just, that, and, that, and by the way, Stephanie, we've only talked about one deal. I mean, there's, we make aggressive bets provided those bets are extremely calculated and not all of them are going to pay off. If you find me a developer or investor who tells you that they've never had a bad deal, then they right. just, they're either a liar or they haven't have done enough deals or maybe yeah. both. Yeah. So we haven't had any major debacles yet. You know, we had hundred percent rent collection during the pandemic, which I'm very proud to report. We have never missed a mortgage payment or defaulted with a vendor or anything like that. So I would say the mistakes that we've made have all been, truly learning lessons. There, there hasn't been anything catastrophic, but I'll, listen, I'll tell you the same thing that I tell every seller, every broker, every lender, we are one bad deal away from going out of business. So we're, we're really trying to avoid that as long as we can. I'd like to try to screw up as later as much as possible, or at least screw up so dramatically so to where it's not going to put us out of business because I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm really enjoying this whole thing. Is there anything else that we haven't covered that you think is important for our audience to know? I think that I'm known to say, and I don't know who said it originally, but I'll take the credit for it because that's how this business works anyway. I didn't really say this, but whoever did is hilarious and a genius. Commercial real estate is the best thing to ever happen to the BNC student, right? The game that we're playing is big kid monopoly. It is not, it can be complicated, but it's not rocket science, right? And as a result, there's a lot of people doing it. And there's a lot of people that are doing it well. And there's a lot of people that are going to fall flat on their face. And I think that, in order to have an, a chance, forget you know being entitled to it, but in order to have a chance at being legitimately successful in this business, I think you have to really know why you're doing it. And that's something that really resonates, at least for me, and at the core of our company. And 
and then really digging deep and understanding and finding that why and also like really understanding what you can do really well and what you're not so great at and I'm really good at recognizing my weaknesses despite how long that list is and I just sort of stick to the tune of that and I'm hoping that it continues to work I don't claim to be like a real estate savant or anything but I think it's key to try not to have to learn the same lesson twice and let the let it really resonate you the first time that you have to experience it or learn it or learn from other people even better exactly exactly Aaron, thank you so much. I think people really appreciate the honesty uh, in this conversation. How can our listeners get in touch with you? Sure. So my Instagram handle is Aaron, A-A-R-O-N dot Zucker. So it's like A-A-R-O-N from the skit dot and then Zucker like Zuckerberg with no bird. Uh, LinkedIn, Aaron Zucker. I'm the guy that looks like he's like 16 in my picture. I don't know why I photographed that way, but I do. And our company website is ZuckerIG.com. That's www.ZuckerI as an investment, G as in group.com. And would be happy to connect with anybody that listens and follows you because you're providing such a wonderful service to our industry and giving people a platform to learn how to grow and become better. And I know I'm a fan of the podcast, so I appreciate everything that you're doing. Thank you so much, Aaron. Looking forward to part two of this conversation in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Make sure to subscribe to our newsletter at monicarlorei.com. Super short and straightforward. And I will see you next time.